No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who is about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow or Narcosis, wherever podcasts are served. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you today? Doing very well. How are you today? I'm doing great. For this episode today, we have a really kind of hard-hitting episode in uh, regards to the Brandon Lawson disappearance. Yeah, his brother, Kyle Lawson, was gracious enough to connect with Chloe who has been uh, our sit-in sort of psychologist and our assistant in many ways. She contributes a lot, including the upcoming True Crime Twins podcast. But she connected with Kyle while he was in jail. So Kyle went away for a little bit, a short, a short period of time for uh, some, some small drug infractions. And he got out and he wanted to tell his story about his brother, Brandon. And he connected with Chloe. They had multiple conversations and he agreed to come on the show. And he prepared a statement, which we'll hear in the beginning. He just wanted to read it straight through. And he answered some of our questions for the remainder of the episode. And like you said, it, it, it was probably one of the more revealing interviews that I think we've done. I would agree. And a big thanks to Chloe Cantor and her sister Melina. for, And they were both in studio for this interview. And uh, so they are both doing their new podcast called True Crime Twins. And we are working on getting that launched ASAP, Lance. And uh, depending on when you listen to this episode, there may be an Apple Podcasts or Stitcher link in the show notes. So check back depending on when you listen to that. But uh, otherwise, you will be hearing about its launch when it happens. Also wanted to remind you to check out True Crime Garage. Their last couple of episodes uh, last week included us, Lance. uh, And they talked about the Brian Schaefer disappearance, which is really perplexing mystery. And uh, so we joined Captain and Nick over there. So check out True Crime Garage, those episodes especially. Yeah, the Brian Schaefer disappearance, like you said, is perplexing, but it was really cool to sit down with like-minded individuals like Nick and Captain of True Crime Garage. We we were there like in room in the same room as them and we presented the facts and then we just played around with some possible scenarios and it's really amazing what comes out of that when you have 
uh, critical-minded people talking about this really, really crazy mystery. And we also recorded kind of a roundtable discussion separate from their podcast release on Brian Schaefer, where we talked a bit about Brian Schaefer, a bit about Brianna Maitland, Maura Murray, and Brandon Lawson in this kind of roundtable discussion that we recorded uh Monday night, last Monday night. And so that is available on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. And that was a bit of an impromptu conversation. We started talking. We said, why don't we just record this? So we set up some mics. Uh, bear with the audio. It's it's not the best, but it gives that raw quality to it that that's what the night was. We just started talking and we said we need to record. So we did. And also on our Patreon page, we started doing these weekly vault video sessions, Lance, and it's basically like a true crime news show weekly, and we call them vaults. And uh, if you're a longtime fan of the show, you'll recognize the word because we've used it frequently to describe this kind of episode where we sort of bounce around from true crime news story to true crime news story as it breaks. And so one of the things we're now doing on Patreon, Lance, is releasing a weekly vault session. We're really trying to reinvent our Patreon because we see it as a really useful source in order to increase our resources and make the best possible product for our listeners. And if we can give you something on Patreon that you wouldn't get somewhere else, that's what we want to do. And we want to make sure that it's worth your 5 10 or $20 monthly contributions. Yeah, so check that out at patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. Also, Lance, next week, or it's coming up soon, I guess it's maybe two weeks away, April 15th and 16th, we are going to the American Investigative Society of Cold Cases in Albany, New York, and we're speaking on a panel with John Lorden of Brain Scratch and Mike Morford of the Criminology Podcast. And they're two of the three people who now do the Three Men in a Mystery Podcast, so these are really busy guys, and they're always... Ha- and they always have their finger on the pulse of what's current in true crime. Also, they have a good connection with law enforcement, like we do as well. We have a pretty decent connection with law enforcement. So it's a really good marriage between what we do and what law enforcement does with cold cases. And hopefully we can provide a really interesting and useful panel discussion. And lastly, if you're a new fan of Crawl Space, because we know we picked up some new ones recently, check out the full Crawl Space archive at stitcherpremium.com. We've been doing this show since February of 2017. We have about 10 episodes on Brianna Maitland's case. So check us out over there and use code FRAMES. That's F-R-A-M-E-S. What does that mean? Does that possibly mean our other podcast, Empty Frames? That's right. You also get that with Stitcher Premium, Empty Frames. So check that out, too. That's our art crime show. And this is all in addition to Missing Maura Murray and our Missing Maura Murray creator commentaries that you'll get. And that's just us. Yeah. Also, you'll get a ton of other content that Stitcher provides, including True Crime Garages, Off the Record, and a bunch of comedy shows. So for the $4.99 a month after your free month, it really is worth it. And one last announcement. We have booked another live show. We have booked a live show at the Riverwalk Cafe in Nashua, New Hampshire, where we recently did the panel on forensic science, and we were there with New Hampshire state police officers. We were there with FBI agents, and we just loved the venue so much and the management that we decided to ask them, would this be a good venue, do you think, for a live podcast? And not only did they say yes, they said we would like to do this once a month. So this is exciting news. We just found out about it. We want to put it out there to the listeners right now. Our first show is going to be on May 22nd. We're pretty sure we know what the topic's going to be, but we just need to confirm a couple of things. So put that on your calendar, May 22nd, the Riverwalk Cafe, 
in Nashua, New Hampshire. That's 35 Railroad Square in Nashua, New Hampshire. Show starts at 6. It's going to be a good topic, I promise. But we just got to confirm, and we'll start putting links out to where you can purchase your tickets ASAP. Okay, so thank you very much for listening to this episode. And check out the links in the show notes. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Brandon Lawson's brother, Kyle. It all started like two days before my brother came up missing. I was on my way to work, and Brendan, my brother, called me, and he was wanting to know if I could get some dope for him because he switched jobs, and he had already taken his drug test, so he wanted to get high. He had not smoked in at least six months, and I told him, no, you don't need to do that, bro. You've been clean for a long time. He told me, I know, bro. I'm just going to do a little bit. I told him, okay, and I told him to go get a guy named Chris. He worked with us. So he went and picked up Chris, and Chris took him to pick up some from who I don't know. And so after they they got it, they went and got high. Then I didn't hear from him until I was on my way home. I called him and asked where he was, if he was still going to come by when I got home. And he said, yes, after I got home, I never heard from him. I figured he was at home. So the next morning, I tried calling him and can't get a hold of him. His wife wouldn't answer either. So I called some friends back home in Fort Worth and to see if he had come there, and I found him. He was at one of our friends' house. He got on the phone and spoke to me, and he said he was going to be heading home soon. So I told him, okay, I'll hit you up whenever I get home from work. He said, okay, everything was normal. Then I'm almost to my house, and he calls me, and he tells me, that he is on his way home, and she, as in Ledessa, better not have touched none of his stuff. I went to their house. Ledessa was cleaning the house, and everything was normal. Nothing was torn up or anything, so I called him and told him to chill out, to just calm down. She wasn't tearing any of his stuff up, so I let him talk to her for a minute, and they were arguing, but I didn't pay no, no mind to it, so I got my phone back. And I went back to my house, showered, and changed clothes. And I was about to eat dinner when my mother called me and asked if I would please go over to their house and calm my brother down because he was flipping out. When I arrived at their house, my brother Brennan was already gone. So I asked Ledessa what was going on, and she said he was tripping and flipping out. On my way there, my brother calls me, says that Ledessa had some masons from the neighborhood chasing him out of town. He told me that the state trooper had pulled one of them over, but there were still two chasing him. He hung up on me, then calls me back and tells me that. He is about to run out of gas. He needed me to bring him some gas, so I told him, okay, that I had to go back by his house to pick up a gas can and come straight to him. So I went to his house, I got the gas can, and I headed that way. Well, Brennan kept calling me, and he would say a few words and hang up. The first time he asked where I was and to hurry up, I told him that I was on the way as fast as I could. Then he calls back, and Audrey answered, and he said, Where are y'all? I'm bleeding, Audrey. And Audrey, hurry up and get here. And he hung up. 
Then he calls me again and says, where are you at? I said, I'm pulling up right now. He hung up again. So when I pulled up to his truck, I make a U-turn and park on the opposite side of the road. I get out, walk over to his truck, and he calls. I ask him, where are you, bro? He said, I'm right here where I said. At that time, there was a vehicle approaching, and he says to me, one time, run. I told him, I'm not going to run. I've done nothing wrong. And he said, where is your pride, motherfucker? And hung up on me. At this time, the officer was walking up from behind the truck, and he says, is this your truck? I told him, no, it's my brother's truck that he had ran out of gas, and he was walking down the road. He keeps losing signals, so I asked if he mind me driving down the street to look for him, and he said, yeah, but he's not back that way because I just come from that way. So I said, okay, I had not known. I had not known that my brother had made a 911 call in between the time he was calling me on my way there. It makes no sense to me why he would call 911 call saying he needed the cops. And then right after he tells me to run from the police, but I drove down, I drove down the street and I stopped. I and Audrey both repeatedly calling him and texting him and he would not respond. My son was only a few years old, and he was hiring and hungry, so we went back to my bank in San Angelo so that I could get some money. My check had been direct deposited into my account, so I got the money. I got some food for my son. I got some gas in my car. Then I went and picked up our friend Chris that we had worked with and asked him if he would come with me to look for my, him. So he got in. And we went back to where my brother's truck was. And the police officer was gone. So we drove down the road very slow, hollering and screaming his name out. And he never would come. So I went down to the gas station and parked on the side while Audrey got out, got the gas can out of the trunk and went and put $5 in a gas can. And then I drove back down to my brother's truck. And I got out and put the gas in his truck, and I yelled out, there's gas in your truck, bro. The laws are gone. Get it. Get in it and go. Still nothing. We drove up and down Highway 277 for about an hour. And no sign. Then the law enforcement had my brother's truck towed at 9 o'clock a.m. that morning. And then that is when my sister-in-law, Odessa, called the sheriff's department and told them what was going on. They acted like I was lying to them about everything just because I didn't tell him that night that my brother had a felony warrant and was hiding in the woods. Had I known that my brother had made a 911 call not seconds in between the times I talked to him, I would have said something. But I did not know, and I wasn't about to snitch my brother out. That's not just something we don't we do not do. We never have. I sit, and I think of things that I could have done differently but it doesn't change anything because my brother is still missing the Coke County Sheriff's Office and the Texas Ranger that is on my brother's case they wanted me to come in for interviewing and so I did they seemed to think that I just picked my brother up and gave him a ride that night and dropped him off so I told them that I want I would like to take a polygraph test and so they agreed 
So I went down to take the test, and they gave me two tests. The first test one was about if I gave him a ride somewhere that night, if I dropped him off somewhere, or if I came in contact with him after the last time I said I had that night, and I passed it. The second test was asking if I had harmed or hurt him and had taken his body somewhere or if I took him and done something with him, more or less, they wanted to know if I killed my own brother. And I passed it. Then I don't believe that they have done anything with his case since. Brandon said that Ladessa had Mexicans from the neighborhood chase him out of town. That's what he told me. But they didn't know any Mexicans from the neighborhood. Don't get me wrong. My brother, he was he was high on drugs. But they don't make any difference. My brother was high on drugs, and he might have been tripping out about some things, but I even told him that night, Brandon, you're tripping, bro. Chill out. You're tripping. He told me, I'm not tripping, Kyle. I'm not fucking tripping. My brother didn't just go out in the woods and just die. My brother was a soldier. We can all agree that even if he had relapsed, even if he was high that night, it doesn't mean he he deserves to be found. Um, It doesn't make his case any less important. So um, I just want to emphasize that. Do you think he uh, did drugs, you know, smoked again after he had left uh, his house? That night, but when he come a missing, no. I don't believe that he had done anything after he left his house. Okay. So what kind of drugs are we talking about here that you believe he was high on? It's methamphetamines. I'm not, I don't believe it. I know for a fact that he was high on it. Is this something common that would Brandon hallucinate? No. Yeah, I've, I've, I've done my share of dope, too. I, I mean, I just got out of prison for it not even a month ago. But I'm clean now, and I'm trying to live a, a different life. But my brother, every now and then, get a wild hair possessed and want to go just, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to explain it or, or anything, but. That's just him. He would do it once, and he would leave it alone for a long time and be with his family. Have you ever hallucinated while doing meth? No, I have not because I don't. I've never done it like that. No, I've never hallucinated off of it. The thing with my brother, he OD'd more or less one time, and it kind of messed with the chemically imbalance in his brain. You know, when he was sober, he's completely normal. You know what I mean? But when he would do the mind-altering drug, it would have a different chemical imbalance on him, and and something was going on that night. My brother wasn't just, never just thought somebody was chasing him or... So you have noticed in the past that his behavior did change when he was high, but it was never to that point where he was seeing things that weren't there? It wasn't like he would trip out on you or or be like, oh my God, there's there's somebody after me, or, or there's uh, stuff in the wall or, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. What does Ladessa say about that? Did she ever mention anything like that to you? About what? About, um, you know, uh, guys chasing him, perhaps? I mean, I said something to her about it, but she said he, he he's crazy. He's, he's just freaking out. He's tripping out. Right. I don't believe Ladessa had nobody chasing my brother out of town that night. He may have been thinking that or something, but I don't, I don't believe that. He actually said the words to you one time run, or did he say run one time? One time run, that means a cop. That's a, a a police officer, a cop. One time. Okay. Code word. 
Okay. I don't know why he told me to run from the police officer because he had just called 911 minutes before that saying he needed police. The call that's out there now that people can listen to, the 911 call on YouTube, people have slowed it down and they've tried to analyze it. That call happened before he called you and said one time run and then said, uh, where's your pride, motherfucker? Is that correct? Yes. What do you make of him saying, where's your pride? Do you have any thoughts on what he meant by that? Man, <laughs> honestly, um, I don't know. I guess where's my pride? Why, why, why would I not run? Like, Did he sound like he was out of breath? Did he sound like he was running when he called you? Look, in the times that I was on my way there when he would call me, yes, he was run- He was out of breath and he was running. But whenever... I talked to him whenever I got there. He was he was standing he was standing still somewhere. He was somewhere where he was he could see me, but I could not see him. How can you be sure that he could see you? Because he told me that he could see me, and he told me that it was a cop that was pulling up on me, and that's what it was. And I know my brother, and I and I know that my brother was there. He told me he was there when he made the nine one one calls. You hear the sound that everybody thought was a gunshot or or something like that. It's not a gunshot. It's a vehicle going over the seams of that bridge right there on the Colorado River, and it makes that sound whenever you're underneath there. The echo of it makes that sound whenever a vehicle goes over the seams of that bridge. That's what you're hearing in the in the call. Yes, that's what you're hearing in the 911 call. How long was it between all the calls? Were there were there three calls? Two while you were driving, and then that one when you were at the truck. Honestly, there could have been more than than just two call, two or three calls whenever I was on my way there, but I know that there was at least that many. It's been five years ago, honestly. I remember everything like it was yesterday, but as far as as many calls as there was, I don't. He would call me and he would say a few things and then hang up. Do you have any opinion on why he wouldn't go back to his truck if for any other reason just to just to be safe from anything that might be chasing him? You know... I don't have a clue, honestly. Um, that night, my brother's truck, there was no hazard lock on when I pulled up to it. One of his windows was halfway down and his doors was unlocked. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, the Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Canada, a vast, idyllic land filled with beavers, loons, lumberjacks, and polite, friendly folks. We have those things for sure, but there's a darker side to the Great White North, full of mystery, crime, the paranormal, and dark history. Join me, Mike Brown, and co-host Matthew Stockton every Monday for the Dark Poutine Podcast as we tell dark stories from north of the 49th parallel with the Ottaway game covering more international cases. You can listen to Dark Poutine for free wherever you find your favorite podcasts. 
it seems like most of Brandon's actions that night really confused you. It just seemed like things were not adding up in general. That was kind of the overall pattern. Yes. Did you happen to go into the woods at all, or did you stay pretty much When I went out into the woods, it was the next morning. It was already daylight. When I came back from St. Angelo after getting the gas and picking up Chris, the guy that worked with us, to, to look for my brother, it was already about 6.30 in the morning, and it was getting daylight at that time. As we were driving up and down the, the highway, it was dark, but as it got light, that's whenever we walked out in, on the east side. If you, if you drive towards Bront, coming from St. Angelo on 277, Right when you pass over the Colorado River, that bridge right there, down on, on the left, there's a little driveway. You, you pull down there, and it takes you, like, almost down underneath the bridge. Drove down in there and walked over there underneath the bridge and hollered for him and looked in the, in the river where it's running through there. I mean, I didn't see any blood nowhere or, or nothing like that. What's the landscape like there? Is it pretty dense with trees? I know we've heard different uh, oh, man, accounts. No, no, or... no, no, no. This, this place is like full of nothing but bullnet on cactus and, and, and trees and brush. And the only light he had, could have had was his phone light. It's not easy terrain. I'll just say that. How far was his house from where they found the truck, where you found his truck? His house? Yeah. His house was all the way back in, in San Angelo. How long is that drive? Man, I would have to look that up, honestly. I, I'm, I haven't drove down there in the last five years. You also lived in San Angelo, right, at the time? I lived right down the street from my brother. So that's why when your mom was worried about Brandon, she called you because she knew that you could get there really quickly? <laughs> yes. And she knew that I could talk to my brother. I mean, I... My brother's my best friend. He was my role model. He, I mean, I looked up to him for everything. He taught me how to fight, how to ride my bike, how to play ball. He taught me everything I know. My brother was a really good person, regardless of what anybody says about him or, or, or bashing him or whatnot on, online. It sounds like if anyone's bashing him, they didn't know him, Kyle. So uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that bother you, hopefully. I know it's easier said than done. So when you searched during the daylight, you said you went out about a couple hundred yards or a couple hundred feet out into the woods and there was no blood, no signs of him. There was no, no, none of, none of his stuff anywhere. You know, I mean, his wallet had all kinds of cards and, and his phone, his phone had a phone case, brand new shoes, his shorts. I mean, nothing was found, nothing at all, no no keys, no nothing. I don't understand that. It, it, he was far, far away from there or somebody took him somewhere. When did his phone stop ringing? The whole time that we were trying to get a hold of him, his phone kept ringing. Later that next morning, his phone would start going straight to voicemail. They towed the uh, truck at 9 a.m., and you said that you were out there until almost 6 a.m.? I was out there until about 7.30 was that when the phone calls just started going straight to voicemail? No, 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 no. Honestly, I don't remember when his phone when when the calls started going straight to voicemail. I know that the last time I ever, I spoke to my brother was when he told me where's your pride motherfucker, and he hung up on me. He wouldn't answer my phone call. He wouldn't answer my text messages. And you said that the truck wasn't searched. The truck was not searched at all. The hazard lights were turned on because the police officer opened the door and turned the hazard lights on and shut the door back. 
Where was the truck towed to? I'm not sure about that. Ladessa ended up getting the truck out of tow. I think it was either the next day or the next couple of days. And then once she got it back, they didn't do anything about it. She drove it for a while, and then she ended up selling it back to the person that my brother bought it from. And police never, never investigated his truck at all. Never searched it. Never, never nothing. They just had it towed the next morning, and they released the vehicle to Ladessa. If there was any gas in the vehicle, the only gas would have been in there would have been the five dollars in gas that I put in there out of a gas can. I didn't understand that his truck, he didn't have his lights on, no hazard lights on in his truck, and his door were unlocked, and when the window's down, that's not like my brother at all. Seems like he kind of left in a hurry. Yeah. When I got there, there was nobody else there. No other vehicles, nobody. My brother never told me that there was nobody. He never actually told me that there was anybody there with him or, or none of that. Except for when he was being chased. That's what he. That's what he told me. That he, yeah, he told me he was being chased. But when I got there, he was sitting still where he could see me, but I could not see him. But he did not want me to talk to that police officer for some reason. But I don't believe that it was because he had a warrant for his arrest. Where was he going? Where was his destination? Was he going to your father's place? He was place? going back to Fort Worth where my parents live. Okay. How many gas stations are there between his place and Fort Worth? If he didn't stop, whenever he left his house, he could have stopped at uh, probably two different gas stations before he ever got to the the freeway, but he probably wasn't paying attention to it. And then by the time, once you get to the freeway and you head down the freeway, you go down 67 to get 277 right there, and you go down 277 to get the Bronx which takes you down through there to get to Abilene. Well, there's no other stores once you get on the highway until you get to Bront and you go through the town of Bront. That one stripes is, is the only store there. So it wasn't until after he had passed those first gas stations that he might not have even noticed he was running out of gas until the car started to stall out. Right. I don't know how much gas was in the vehicle whenever Ledesk got it back and and. I've always wanted that myself. You know, did he really run out of gas? What does uh, where's your pride, motherfucker, mean to you? Where's your pride? Where where the fuck is your heart at? Why ain't you running from that fucking police officer like I told you to? That's what it means to me, honestly. Did he normally talk like that to you? No, my brother didn't talk to me like that, but if it was a serious situation... He's going to be very stern with me. For him to take that tone and to use that language, he must have felt like he was in a serious situation. Yeah. Honestly, I don't have any idea why he would say that to me at all. I don't, I don't, I don't know why he would say that to me. Really, I don't know why he wouldn't answer my phone call after that. I don't know why he called 911, but I never knew about it until a few days later when they... Uh, actually said that when it came up that he had made a 911 call, they didn't even report it that night. When you were around him and he would get a phone call, did, did he have his ringer on usually, or is it was it usually on vibrate? Like, just in, in general? Like, yeah. everyday thing? Yeah, like, like I, I guess I'm wondering, you know, if you... Ha- if he wanted his phone on silent, it would be on silent, but he didn't keep it on silent most of the time, no. In theory, if you were standing on the side of the road and you were calling him, there's a chance you would have heard that ring somewhere in the woods if his phone was out there. 
my brother knew I was calling him. He just wasn't answering. How far towards that bridge did you go and, like, past that area? Because it sounds like he was walking a bit in that direction, right? Where his truck was at, I walked out on both sides about 300 feet out. But some of that land you can't go on. I mean, I, I was screaming and hollering his name, and I know he would have heard me. Whenever I was out there screaming his name or something, he, had, he was already gone. He had to have been. He would have came out. I know he would have. In the 911 call, he says something that sounds like the word staper. Is staper any sort of slang that, that you're familiar with? He was trying to say state trooper. And so that kind of correlates with him saying that there was three Mexicans chasing him. He got one of them. State police officer pulled over another one, and then there was still one more chasing him, right? And that's what he reportedly said before he ran out of gas, right? Correct. But I know that his truck wasn't wasn't wrecked. I could tell that his truck hadn't been wrecked or nothing. None of this at all makes sense at all. Nothing. Not one single bit of it. How big is the law enforcement department in that area? Oh no, no, no. It's little little bitty. Okay. They pretty much own Coke County. They 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 his wife owns the newspaper. His son-in-law is one of the sheriffs. How many searches were you a part of uh, in the subsequent days following the disappearance? None. I did not go to no searches. That police officer said that he would arrest me. And that's the same reason I haven't went down there ever since. My brother's come up missing because the officer said that he would arrest me. Why would he arrest you? Did he give you a reason? Like for trespassing or something? I guess so, but you know what? He can arrest me now because... I don't have any warrants, and I don't have nothing. So there's no reason, if I'm not on no one's land, you can't arrest me. Can you tell us more about your interactions with the police in the investigation of your brother's disappearance, how you feel they've been handling it, how you feel they've treated you and your family? I feel like they've handled it very poorly. You know, after they give me the lot of tests, they haven't done anything about it. They haven't done nothing. I would like for that Deputy Brennan, Brennan Neal to be have a polygraph test as well and him answer some questions about that night because he was the only other person out there that night besides me. He's the one that you spoke to that night? Yes, it is. And you're suspicious of him? I don't know. I just feel like my brother called 911 and asked for the police. They didn't report the 911 call whenever the police officer was arriving up to his truck, my brother told me to run from him after just calling 911 saying he needed the police. He wanted me to run from the police? That makes no sense. The officer tells me not to drive down the way that he just come from because he didn't see my brother when he was driving that way. The next morning, when Lodessa reported all of it, I called up there and talked to that deputy. He started wanting to talk to me. He started wanting to talk to me rudely, and I told him I wasn't fixing to sit there and, and I wasn't going to do that. I'm not going to sit there and listen to him talk to me like that, I'm, you know, because he was mad because I didn't tell him that my brother had a felony warrant and was hiding in the woods from I didn't tell him that because my brother told me to run from him. From being at the scene and being the only other person there besides the officer and my brother, all I knew was is that he was telling me to run from that law enforcement, and that law enforcement was the only other person there besides me. Was that a state trooper or was that local police? No, he was a Coke County Sheriff. But that's different than state police, right? He's not a state trooper. They're not state troopers at all. There was no state troopers around nowhere. Okay, so when he said staper, then he was either mistaken or talking about a different 
jurisdiction. When he said when he said that on the nine one one call, I don't I don't know where he's seen the state trooper or any of that. I know whenever I t- talked to him before he had ran out of gas and he was still driving before he told me he was running out of gas. He had told me that there was somebody from chasing him out of town. The state trooper got one of them. He got another one, but there was still one chasing. I thought he was just tripping out. So I, I guess it is possible that he was seeing things that weren't there. I mean, it had to have been. I, honestly, I don't know. Um, have the police told your family their opinion of where they think Brandon is or what happened to Brandon? Have the police told my family where they think my brother is? Yes, or what they think happened. Yeah, they, they told my, my, my family what they think happened. They think that he ran off somewhere and he's hiding hiding out somewhere, I guess, still, is what they think. Me, personally, I've not talked to law enforcement since I did the polygraph test. We were, we're all close, a real close family, and it, uh, it's a really hard subject. Yeah, that's understandable. Have you ever come in into or across any wildlife in that area? I know we talked on our last episode about wild boar perhaps being in that area. Have you uh, ever had any experience with them in those woods? I've never had experience with them in the woods, but I know that they're out there. I mean, been deer hunting and, and we go hog hunting and stuff. My grandpa's deer lease. I mean, I'm not allowed to anymore because I'm a felon, but before I was a felon and I used to hunt out there with my grandfather. There is wild boar out there and... and they're not just going to run up on you and get you, you know what I mean? They're going to run from you before anything. But if you corner, you corner them, and then unless you're already hurting down or something like that, I don't believe that they would. I don't think no wild boar got my brother. Yeah. You said, you know, your your brother was a soldier. Can you tell us more about that? <sighs> my brother could fight very well. He had done been to prison three times and got out of prison the last time, and they want to try and tell him that he's got a felony warrant out for delivery controlled substance to an undercover informant before he even went to prison the last time, but they're still they're trying to charge him for this after they've done he done went to prison and been released from prison and then they wanted to tell him this later. Do you mind talking about what he was in prison for before that? He was in prison for delivery of marijuana to undercover informant and but he had been on five years probation before that that he had been on probation and he revoked the probation and caught the other charge and then he went and did all his time in state jail and then got back out on a little bit of probation and he went back and did I think six more months and then got out and he had nothing. He was clean. He had nothing. He no more charges, no nothing. And then he had been out and he went down to try and pay a ticket or something to get his driver's license and the lady told him that he had a red light flashing beside his name, that he had a felony warrant out for his arrest. And he said, I just got out of prison. And she said, well, you got your paperwork here. I understand that. And stuff, but I'm just letting you know, saying you have a felony warrant out for your arrest. And she didn't make a big deal of it. You know, he was saving a lot of money. He was going to hire an attorney. And he, he told me he was going to go take care of it. You know, he's like, you know, bro, I don't mind. He told me I don't mind doing time. Don't matter to me. I'm not worried about that. I can do time. He said, but it's my family that I'm worried about. And he didn't know what they were trying to do to him because he, there's no way that he did that. He didn't send no dope to him to cover informant uh, before he went to prison the last time. Is there any possibility you think your brother had, had another girlfriend or some other close friends that he might have gone away with? Man, my brother had a wife, which was Ladessa, the mother of his kids, and he loved her, and they were a family. Whether or not my brother 
may have slept with another girl here and there once in Blue Moon. I have no idea. I don't know. I didn't get into his business like that because that's not my place. Um, my brother didn't have no other girlfriends. He didn't run off with no girl. I promise you that. I know that. My brother loved his children very much. Very, very much. He loved his children more than anything in this world. And he would die for them. He didn't run off and leave with no girl and leave his children. I promise you that. My brother's no coward, and that's something a coward would do. Do you suspect foul play? Well, of course I do. There being a 911 call, and now my brother's been gone for five years. There had to have been foul play. Either that or that, that police officer killed my brother. When you first arrived at the scene and then you left and you came back and you put the gas in the truck, how long were you were you not at the scene in, in between those, those those moments? When I pulled away from the truck, that officer, he he pulled from, he was parked behind the truck at the time whenever I was there, okay? Whenever I got back in my car to drive down the road to look for my brother to try and keep getting a hold of him after the last time I spoke to him, that officer pulled around and parked where I had been parked on the opposite side of the road. When I went back, probably an hour and a half later, whenever I got back there, that officer was gone. And was your brother's truck in the same state as it was other than the hazards being on? Still sitting there. The hazard lights was on because the officer turned the hazard lights on. The doors had, had been locked and everything after that. And was that the officer that you spoke to at the station and that gave you the lie detector test later? No. I haven't been around nor seen that the officer, Deputy Brandon O'Neill, since that night. Can you tell us a little bit about taking that lie detector test? What, what was that like? The first one where they asked me if I gave him a ride somewhere and picked him up or any of that stuff. And like, I kept kind of coughing. I, I couldn't, I don't know, some of my tests I kept coughing. And uh, they wanted me not to cough. They wanted me to be very quiet and relaxed. And the way I took it was they were trying to say that I phoned the test that I was coughing, but then I passed it. But then the other one, I didn't cough or, or anything through it. So I don't know. I passed it too. But Was it upsetting for you? I know the second one you said they were kind of, their line of questioning was more, you know, did you harm your brother? Did course, you do I this? Mean, yeah. They're asking me if, if I harmed my brother or or did something to him and, and took his body somewhere. I mean, that's just, I mean, I understand they, maybe they have to ask something like that, but to me, in their eyes, my brother is just a drug addict criminal that's hiding out on the run. That's how they see my brother. That's how I feel. Where would they possibly think that he would be right now if he was a drug addict and on the run? How successful are drug addicts going completely untraced for five years? My question is as good as yours. There was even a laptop that some girl that lived in San Angelo, and there was a story on there about how this dude had ran into my brother that night and killed him or whatever, but it was taken to law enforcement, and they've never done nothing about that either, as far as I know. I mean... So a girl in San Angelo was sold, she was sold a used laptop and found that story and found that story about someone killing him? Yes, and contacted my dad and told him about it. And that's how they got the law enforcement involved. And she uh, turned it into the law enforcement. Have you ever seen that uh, letter or do you know whose laptop that was previously? I don't know whose laptop it was or any of that. 
I don't know anything after they had turned it into law enforcement. I know that she also had gotten a hold of my cousin, too, and my cousin asked her if she could send her screenshots of the, of the actual pages, and I have all that, honestly. I have all those pictures of the whole story of how the dude says that he cut my brother up. You were there that night when he went missing. Does that account sound anything close to realistic to you? It don't, but then... I mean, I, what would he, what would the dude have done with the with the? It don't say anything about what he did with the body or nothing like that. But what would the dude? He he. It says he was walking and he ran into my brother. If he was walking and ran into him, he he didn't just hide the body out somewhere. If he, he actually killed him, he didn't just hide the body off somewhere right there in the woods and, and nobody found nothing from it, you know. Unless my brother was far away from there, because he was, I mean, I don't understand why he would have walked. He wouldn't, I don't know, my brother wasn't stupid, he wouldn't have, I don't understand why he hung up on me and said any of that stuff that night, because What's really odd about it and frustrating, and it, it's, I can't imagine, besides everything. besides everything, I can't imagine what you're going through. The fact that he had already called 911 and had called you and there was an issue, but in all of the conversations and the 911 call, he never specifically says what he's running from. Like, he never specifically says what's wrong, just that he's bleeding and, and he's in trouble. Right, but the part where he said he was bleeding, when I talked to him after that, I think maybe whenever he said he was bleeding, maybe it was because if he was running, he tripped or something and, and fell, maybe uh, cutting the knee up or, or something like that. I, I mean, he wouldn't have just been like, I'm bleeding. He would have told me, this motherfucker done cut me or something like that. But he never told me anything. He never said anything like that. Yeah, I don't have any other questions other than just a statement of thank you for doing this. Man, it's made me a whole different person. I know that if it any possible way of finding my brother or something, finding some something about him might be to talk to y'all about it or whoever, and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, thanks. We really appreciate it. I think it was very brave coming on and, and uh, telling us, so we understand how, uh, how difficult it is. I'm going to tell you right now, I promise you that what I read to you in the beginning Everything that I read is exactly every single thing that happened from two days before the night and he came up missing up until that next morning when he came up missing. And I wish everybody would realize that I didn't give my brother no right to wear. Thank you.